Today is Wednesday, September 16th, 2020. It's the Fantasy Finish Line Week 2 Preview. Maybe? You think? No. Yeah, I think it is. No. Yeah. Maybe? Probably not. Let's find out. Back in the day, before we were so obsessed with uh, fantasy football, we also used to drive around and listen to Cake. We listened to a lot of Cake and drove around a lot. (laughs) Uh, To be 22 again. (laughs) What a weirdly specific age. (laughs) So, I am Jason Evans, as always, and joining me, also as always, is David Biggs. David. Say hello to the people. Always is strong because always means I always have to be here. So that one time that I'm not here, you do a podcast with somebody else. And then, then one time I wasn't around, you did a podcast with somebody else. No, I'm just saying I, I break my promise. Like uh, if you if you lead these podcasts with always. We don't promise to always be here, but we've mostly always been here. All right. Cheers. Well, yes, it is a uh, wonderful, with an asterisk. A wonderful Wednesday. Asterisk. And I am uh, super excited to chat about football. Uh, as I hope all of you are pretty much always now that the NFL season is going on. Yeah, it was great to uh, have a full slate of games this past weekend. You kind of uh, dove in head first. You didn't have the preseason games to ease you into it, to uh, make you sick of preseason and wanting the regular season. All you had was, boom, here's the regular season games. It's like straight to the vein. Uh, so, as always, we must discuss first what it is that we are drinking in my hand, I hold from Toppling Goliath Brewing Company, Sosus, I think, S-O-S-U-S, a double India pale ale. Um, I believe that you had requested that I pick this one up over the weekend, Dave. What was the purpose of that? Did you did you have your eye on that for any specific reason? Uh, I don't know. I, I've been to uh, that brewery before in, in Iowa. Or is it that? No, you were looking for some kind of crazy dolphin beer. I think it was called Dolphin Sprinkles. Oh, yes, Dolphin Sprinkles. <laughs> but anyway, I like I like the brewery. They do a lot of good IPAs. Uh, and, you know, nowadays you walk into a, um, a Binnie's or um, one of these big meccas of craft beers, and you're always An trying... An alcoholic grocery store. Yeah, you're fine... <laughs> You're finding, well, I don't know. I, I, that's a whole other podcast, right? <laughs> <laughs> but but I think there's something to be said about these uh, expensive beers that are made uh, with the connoisseur in mind uh, that are uh, almost the opposite of, 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 of this alcoholic mindset. If you were to go into a grocery store and buy a 30-pack of PBR with the in, intention to drink it all, then I understand what you're talking about. But sure. if you would get a four-pack of double IPAs, the intention is not to slam the double IPAs. I hope not. You shouldn't be using these for drinking games. Well, if if you well, are, something else we did when we were in our twenties. You're just going about it wrong. It's, <laughs> we need to we need to put you on the right path, uh, not just for you, but also for your pocketbook. Right, that will definitely hit your pocketbook hard. Uh, but I I do like the double IPAs, and I think that company does them really well. And I'm I think that's a. Did you say that's a DIPA? It is. What are you drinking there, Dave? Uh. Yeah, so uh, this is a half-acre beer, which uh, comes from Chicago, 
and the particular kind of beer is called Logue. Uh, I'm not that familiar with it, but it's called a Double Dry Hop Double India Pale Ale. And as far as I know, uh, at least over the past five or ten years, the more words you have to describe what kind of beer you have, the better the beer is. I concur. <laughs> I has, can't find. I can't think of a situation where that hasn't been true. It has sixty-five different hops. Uh, you know, it's just it. It was manufactured. Uh, <laughs> They're hand dried. That's right. Uh, all the buzzwords. Anyway, uh, they're a really cool place too, and Half Acre is an interesting place in Chicago. I haven't been there in a while, um, obviously because of what's going on in the world. I just haven't been hanging out in Chicago as much as I used to. But I'll definitely go back and visit again. The other brewery that, that stands out to me as a place to mention, uh, just for people that haven't visited the city maybe, uh, is the, the place that does um, Ninja vs. Unicorn, all those other different ones. Oh, yeah. Um, Remember what it's called? Yeah, Pipeworks Brewing. And they used to not even have a, like a public area where you could go. And they just had a brewery and then a distribution center. Yeah. And and now I believe they have open a little brew pub, and I can't wait to go visit. they got a tap room, I think. Yep. We'll, we'll make it our way to the city, you know, maybe in a year or two. In a year or two. Sounds good. We'll find good. out. Maybe before then, too. <laughs> but I'm sure that in a year or two we will be going to the city. Uh, so, um, we are, uh, here from drink5.com. Make sure you go check out drink5.com in order to get the latest rankings from Dave, uh, the number sixth overall, uh, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm blanking on it. Number six overall preseason 2019 rankings on fantasy pros experts. See, it's a lot of words, which means I'm really good at ranking. Exactly. Uh. <laughs> it's not that it's a lot of qualifiers. It's just that it's late at night. So... Uh, last week, I went over some guys who I thought were going to bust out in week one, as in be a bust on your team and completely fail. Um, That's an awkward phrasing. If I did not mean to phrase it that way. I'm not trying to be that playful. <laughs> uh, but it came out that way, so we're going to roll with it. So if you uh, go to our website, you can see what I had to say about all these guys for mm-hmm. last week. But here are the guys and how I did. Let's give myself a little report card here. So the first one on my list was Le'Veon Bell. And, um, sure, I didn't predict the fumbles correctly. I said he would get two. And I also said that Frank Gore was going to out-touch him, which should have happened, but the Jets are just absolutely terrible. And they do very poorly, and I'm just going to go ahead and take a victory lap for saying that you shouldn't have played Le'Veon Bell because that was a terrible idea, and it didn't work out for anybody who did it. Um, In the Carolina and Oakland game, I said that you should start everyone uh, I'm sorry, you should sit everyone other than Christian McCaffrey and Josh Jacobs. And both of those guys had fantastic days. So obviously I told you to start them, and I'm going to take credit for that. But um, I was right about the Raiders. Nobody on the Raiders really did anything worthwhile. Derek Carr had about 15 points, which is not anywhere near what you are looking for from a quarterback. Uh, nobody else on the team even reached a 10-point mark. Um, okay. So Josh Jacobs did lead the league, I believe, in running backs fantasy points over the week. Uh, but on the Panther side, I was impressed. Teddy Bridgewater did well. He almost had 20 points. Robbie Anderson was the WR5 for the week. So can I have half credit for that? There's no half credit in football? Um, Unless you're playing half credit. But there are ties, <laughs> as, Cam, as Cam Newton, or no, Donovan McNabb learned. Sure. Well, uh, why don't we assign an official rating so that throughout the year, whenever you do this, and I officially 
assign you the bust master, you can actually give yourself a report card. So at the end of the year, maybe you do it every other week or every couple of weeks, uh, we can say uh, Jason was 30% uh, correct, or more, more hopefully, Jason is 70% correct. All right, and uh, and we'll see. But let's be let's be uh, you know honest with ourselves. Okay. And and as something that I know, uh, being uh, an expert that's on fantasy pros, is that even the best experts, even the very best, uh, like Pat Fitzmaurice, for example, or John Paulson, those are those are guys that have consistently been year over year very high on the rankings and some of the best in the business, uh, are still generally only around sixty percent accurate when we talk about actual rankings, because this is uh, so filled with these different variables uh, and situations and, and things that could happen, how could you possibly you know, be able to predict all of them? If somebody was more accurate, they would break the system, <laughs> it would no longer be gambling, and everyone would know it was going to happen every week. Well, that it person, would be boring. That person wouldn't tell anyone else if they were smart because they would just... Because then they could just make a lot of money. Yeah, it. exactly. Sure. <laughs> but perhaps you can make the most money by telling everyone. Well, this is... Uh, one for the ages. It's all about monetizing, Dave. That's right. This is 2020. Well, you have that, uh, unless you find and steal that book from uh, uh, Back to the Future like Biff Tanner did. Oh, yeah. Good call. Uh, so Leonard Fournette was another bust prediction by me. And perhaps it was easy to see this coming, but he only had six touches, scored 2.4 points, had a team that did not look at all disciplined. I don't think that this is a good sign for Fournette going forward. Ronald Jones had a lot of the carries there. So Leonard Fournette, total bust last week. I think he will be a total bust going forward for at least a little while until the Bucks can figure out what the hell it is that they're trying to do. He, I mean, he moved to a different team, uh, thankfully, because he was just floating around in free agency. But to your to your point and credit, um, he, he was uh, given a role, but that role is very difficult on a team that doesn't know who they are. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so Will Fuller, he wound up with eight catches on ten targets, had 112 yards. That was a nice day for Fuller. It's his second highest reception total of his career. Uh, next up, he plays Baltimore. It's not a good matchup, but obviously there's no one else for Hopkins to throw the ball to. So uh, Fuller is going to be removed from my bust list going forward because there's no one else. <laughs> so I, I missed on that one. I disagree with you. I think Brandon Cooks is a great receiver, but he was uh, injured and maybe not even going to play that game. Right. Uh, so he kind of went in there uh, as almost a decoy. Uh, but we'll see. It remains to be seen, right? Uh, so so you're not you're not wrong uh, necessarily, but I think we haven't given uh, the offense a fair shake. Again, I'm not wrong about the fact that I was wrong last week. No. I'm saying you're, you're not wrong that maybe he's the only one to throw to because we haven't seen Cooks in that offense. But right. uh, Cooks did get a couple grabs, but nothing to speak of. Um, I think that what we have here is another case of kind of like with Tampa Bay, when you shake up a team enough, and especially, uh, uh, I mean, you do so when, when you change who's the lead runner, when you change who's the lead receiver, when you change who's the lead quarterback, which they did in all three situations uh, for – the Houston Texans. Well, they didn't change the quarterback in Houston. Uh, yeah, yes, correct. Um, but but the other two are true. Yes. <laughs> so uh, two big skill positions. The number one guy is different, and uh, that that's going to be rough. Um, so just like Tampa Bay, they are going to have to find themselves. And uh, uh, I, I guess they're not allowed to go to a monastery right now because they might catch COVID. So I don't know how else you find yourself. Uh, spirit walk, maybe. Sure. I don't know if there's a lot of Spirit Walk locations down in Houston. In Houston, they say that? In Houston, they say that. Uh, so Derek Henry was another guy 
who I had predicted to be a bust. Um, but I knew in the back of my head that nobody would listen to me because he was a first round pick. But I did want to stress, like, don't take him in DFS. Um, don't rely on him uh, if, if you have the option. So he didn't find the end zone, but he did have 34 touches. He was the only running back on the team to touch the ball. Well, Darrington Evans was injured uh, last week as well. And, Correct. And that, that information came out after we had our podcast last week. So it just was like more blocks sort of stacked against this particular Well, didn't thing. Darrington Evans um, get arrested last week? Or was it a different running back on the team? <laughs> I don't know. Someone on their team got arrested at the end of the week. Last Maybe. Week. I thought he was injured. It was like Friday he got arrested, <laughs> and uh, it was rather belligerent. Darrington. So I, I suppose it's a good thing you didn't sit your first-round pick. You don't always have to listen to me, but I claim a 50% success rate when it comes to last week's busts. And uh, I don't have any busts for this week necessarily. I don't have five of them lined up or anything like that. However, maybe we'll uh, bet on a couple at the end of this podcast um, if that uh, comes up again. And I will have some more busts going forward uh, throughout the season um, because I think that it's more important uh, to identify the guys who are going to kill you rather than the guys who are uh, possibly going to be uh, the breakouts. All right. Well, if we if we remember, then we should absolutely do some kind of a bet for next week. Uh, make sure that we we have the um, uh, what do you call it the uh, the exact specifications of that bet laid out uh, as far as uh, what is required. Yeah. Um, I think we should do a bet where where like if both players uh, exceed their projection, for example, and we both lose. Uh, or if we bo- or if we both win by enough on either side, then then it just rolls over. Okay. But I, I'm giving you a lot of specs now, so this sure. is like becoming a more complicated bet. It's they're never simple. <laughs> we don't like simple bets. No, we've done a lot of those. Let's move on. All right. You can see what Dave's rankings are. They are, you know, standard, PPR, half PPR. You can also um, uh, compare him to the other experts on Fantasy Pros itself. Um, But we recommend just checking out his first and going from there. So, Dave, um, do you have an idea of who you like more or less than the other people that are ranked? Do we recommend uh, uh, going to my rankings first? Yes. I yeah. appreciate that you would say so. I, I definitely recommend that. <laughs> I was, I was just uh, uh, navigating over to to see exactly what's going on right now, um, and um, currently, it looks like, um, as far as quarterbacks are concerned, and I'm I'm going to uh, 
let's look at running backs. I, I'm going to compare this to the ECR. And for those of you who haven't listened to this before, the ECR means Expert Consensus Rankings, which is all the experts that participate in Fantasy Pros on a weekly, monthly, yearly basis. And all of those are averaged together to create one uh, uh, amalgamate ranking, an average ranking, um, which becomes the ECR. So what I'm going to do right now is just tell you who I like more or less than some of those other guys. And it's tough in the middle of the week because a lot of people are still formulating their rankings, etc. But right now, for example, uh, I like Frank Gore 13 spots up from the ECR. So I have him ranked uh, at 38, where the ECR has him at 51. Um, this is for half PPR, which is the the ranking style that we choose to uh, use as, as our standard right now. Our default, I Be- would call it. Yeah, being that Le'Veon Bell is going to be out for at least a couple of weeks uh, um, on IR, and the other backs that they have there are, are really nothing to speak of. Frank Gore should be the guy that's able to get you points if you absolutely need it at a flex or, or RB4 position. Um, I, I think that it's not a bad guy to have on your team, especially right now and over the next few weeks, but I don't like the Jets' offense, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But... Um, let me give you one more guy, uh, Adrian Peterson, I have at 33 and the ECR there is 43. So that's again, plus 10 as a differential, yeah. how much I like him as far as other people. I, I still feel like, uh, Deandre Swift and Kerryon Johnson, who are the other running backs on Detroit are just not, uh, the guys that they, uh, necessarily are going to rely on. Uh, so I think Adrian Peterson has that constant role as a veteran in the league, that will have a consistent amount of touches that you can use, again, uh, even above Frank Gore at this position as a flex play. Uh, so so those two guys I like a lot. Uh, I'll yeah. give you, I'll they give have you... to roll with Adrian Peterson, right? Because Swift dropped that touchdown. I mean, you gotta, you can't just immediately go back to him. I feel, he's a rookie, so he'll get another chance. I feel really bad for Swift. I mean, uh, I, I watched the Bears game, and of course, we live in the Chicago area. So uh, out here, everyone is a, is a Bears fan, or at least most people are. Um, but seeing that touchdown, it, it was perfect. And I know that the team is not going to forget that anytime soon. So if you have a clutch uh, situation, it's probably not going to Swift, at least in the next couple of weeks. That's true. A uh, guy that I like less than, uh, than everybody else does, just for example, um, is Darrell Williams. Uh, or Daryl. I, I still know how to pronounce that guy's name. I continually mess it up. <laughs> is it Daryl? Is it Darrell? There's two R's. How do you pronounce it? Daryl? <laughs> okay. Uh, the question mark at the end of that leads me to believe that we're in the same position Agreed. here. Agreed. So uh, with Williams, I have him ranked at 54 and the ECR is 44. So while some people think that he's a good bench dash, I think that at this point in the, uh, in the season, it is already uh, Clyde Edwards' game and that you're not going to see much of Williams out there at all. Oh yeah. And so there's not really much uh, gravity uh, to have that kind of a guy on this offense uh, in this season. It looks like they are mostly dependent on him because uh, he would have done the same thing as Williams. Uh, compare this to a situation like James Conner and um, and Benny Snell, where both of them are guys that can run between the tackles. So Benny Snell is the immediate backup of James Conner. So where Snell might not be the change of pace guy, maybe it's Jalen Samuels or something like that on Pittsburgh, 
uh, as soon as James Conner went down, Snell fills in ex- as exactly what James Conner is. There are some uh, things that Conner does, like pass catching, that Snell doesn't. But what I'm saying is he fills in the between the tackles every down roll uh, that Conner used to have before. So let's look at wide receivers very quickly. Um, I I like uh, Kenny Galladay this particular week. I think that he'll be back from his injury. I don't know, Jason, if there's any news about that, but Detroit was clearly missing their number one receiver. And Marvin Jones had some okay numbers, but Galladay is a guy that makes the entire team better. I actually have him ranked 15 this week, and the ECR is 48. Mm-hmm. I think that Galladay is going to destroy uh, coming back and in, in playing in his first game. Now, that's assuming that he is going to play, of course. So is there any news on uh, his health? Uh, earlier today, he didn't practice. That's all we know. Okay. But as we always say about this stuff, uh, look for practices on Thursday, especially Friday. If guys can practice Friday, they generally will play. Yeah. Uh, I like Jalen Rager. Uh, he's, I have him 49, which is in the position of, uh, of a bench player. But I can see him being more of a, a flex player or even like a WR2 or 3 uh, in the future. In this season, I have him 11 above... Uh, the ECR. Uh, and by that same regard, uh, I have Deshaun Jackson down at number 50, where the ECR has him at 41. And the reason is, I think that you're going to see more Rhaegar uh, and, and less Deshaun Jackson as the season goes on. But uh, what was interesting in this, this past game is is that we saw a lot of, uh, of Rhaegar when we didn't think we would, because uh, initially, it looked like he wasn't even going to play at all. Uh, sure. So anything is more than nothing, but I don't think he was on the field very much overall in the game. What are the stats that he has? Uh, pulled up I'm pulling up his numbers right now. Um, I didn't watch the Eagles game, so I don't know for sure. You um, hate the Eagles, man. I hate the fucking Eagles, man. He caught one of four targets for 55 yards. That's pretty awesome to have a 55-yard catch. Um, but I don't know what his snap count was. So I, I, I need more time to look that up, I guess. I don't have it here either. I just see his trajectory pointing up as he becomes more healthy and more involved in the offense. Uh, let's look at tight ends real quickly. Uh, I have, uh, let's see, I have Evan Engram uh, up at 8, where his ECR is 11. And Engram was all right, uh, but not very good uh, against the Steelers. But the problem there was the, the Steelers' defense and, in general, the... Uh, um, the lack of offense. Yeah, the, from... the, the issues that, uh, that the, the Giants had in general. When the Giants can run the ball, everything else opens up for them. If they can't run the ball, then they have nothing to rely on. Still, I think Engram uh, was a receiver of... I don't have the stats in front of me either, but uh, of uh, most of... Uh, not most of, but, but one of the, the pass catchers to receive the most targets... Uh, maybe behind Slayton and Shepard, but certainly right up there with them. And that will continue from game to game. Yeah, he had seven targets, um, third on the team behind Slayton and Barkley, who each had nine targets. Of course. Sometimes I leave out the the running back, but honestly, in that game, Barkley got no rushing yards, but got a bunch of receiving yards. That was the only way he was gaining yardage, actually. Yeah, but look, uh, as far as Evan Ingram goes, seven targets is a great sign. I, I totally see that, and um, I, I think that he'll be a top-ten guy. Well, we talk about this all the time. Uh, if you have a game where the offense is not doing well, 
just looking at the targets is the best indicator because even if someone does not have a lot of stats uh, if they end up having uh, seven, eight, nine targets, it means that, that the quarterback is in need of that person and, and generally will continue to be uh, in the offense. So uh, as soon as they play a defense that is not Pittsburgh, then Evan Engram has 80 yards and a touchdown. Yeah. Um, guys that I like a little bit less, uh, I, I put Austin Hooper in there. I just am not seeing that develop. Uh, I, I understand that a lot of people think with David Njoku, uh, I, I believe now out for the rest of the season, right? Um, I think it's short-term IR for now. We'll see what happens later. I'm, but with, he's not playing this week, that's for sure. With the IR now uh, uh, being only a couple weeks, everything's a little wacko. It is. It really like <laughs> There's going to be so many guys on IR just because they're like, well, you're going to be out for two weeks at least. I, just, I feel like when, when a team says, uh, or when a guy says, I'm going to move to Cleveland... Uh, I'm going to get a big contract. It means that they're never going to play football again at a high level. That's true. I mean, <laughs> Cleveland's a place you go to get paid, but it's not a place you go to play. <laughs> um, Logan Thomas, I'm a little bit lower on than ACR. We'll talk about him later. Um, and that's about it. If if we look at one of the things that I, I'm actually able to do in Fantasy Pros, which I like doing, is called Superflex Ranking. Uh, and I, I actually uh, go through and adjust uh, these particular players individually. So what I find if I look at my ranks uh, straight up, uh, I really like uh, Kenny Galladay. Uh, I really like Miles Sanders if he's able to uh, if he's able to play and and uh, looks good in practice. Oh sure, yeah. And I really like Ronald Jones from Tampa Bay. Uh, yeah. So I like those three guys more in the top hundred than anybody else. Maybe Malcolm Brown. Malcolm Brown, yeah. A little bit on the Rams. So those guys. I, and I'm, if and if he plays, Benny Snell. Sure. If he's the starter over Connor. Well, yeah. Of, of, again, I'm going to touch on him later too because I'm I'm not. I'm not super excited about Snell, but he may be that kind of like one or two week boost that that people need for their team. If so, so be it. The yeah. the point is that those guys, James Robinson on Jacksonville, Mike Williams on the Chargers, uh, they and Ragor uh, on the Eagles, they they all stand out to me more than anybody else does. So if, if you're interested in uh, and looking to see what any of the experts like more than anybody else. I, I say if you look at the flex or super flex rankings, that's where it really comes out more uh, than anywhere else because they're not just being compared against people of their own position. They're being compared against people of all the positions. So you can see if you have them ranked over. Yep. Uh, it gives you an idea of where the tiers lie. A much better idea, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, I'd love to do a podcast just about that because I, I haven't... Uh, I haven't embarked on a mission to like create rankings in tiers. That that seems like a whole nother uh, ball game. <laughs> <laughs> like, where do you draw lines? How do you determine what those are? That'd be really interesting. Uh, but I don't currently do that. One uh, guy you don't like is Chris Carson. Um, you've got him 18 below his ECR at the Superflex ranking. Would you like? Are, are, you, are you fading him this week? Am I stepping on your stats from later? Are you stepping on my stats? <laughs> Is he on your list to come? No, he's not. No, Chris no, Carson, no, no. What are your, you know? Uh, well, okay. So the the Patriots, first of all, uh, I I I think they're they're a bad matchup for running backs, or they have been uh, over previous years. They scheme really well against the the, the other teams that they play against. Um, they 
since week 14 of last year have averaged the 29th amount of points to that position, 16.83. And Carson had two touchdowns, but he only had 66 yards from scrimmage. Yeah, he only carried the ball six times. So what what is something that we've touched upon over the past uh, several years now uh, when we do podcasts? Sometimes we do a podcast where we look at the player's stats and say, what's lying? What, what are they lying about? You know, yeah. uh, and, and one of those guys is Jameson Crowder, for example. I'll touch on him later. But when you have a big play, but the rest of your plays are not big plays, uh, when you have a bunch of receptions, but you had a whole lot of targets, and so your percentage isn't high, those are the things you're lying about. I, I think Carson's great, but I think against New England, it's a bad matchup. And the two touchdowns and the high box score he had, uh, he was only on the field for 45% of the team's snaps. Carlos Hyde, 34%. So they, they're more of a split than you think they are. Fair enough. That, I mean, that makes total sense. But, I mean... He just happened to, to be the guy on the field. Sometimes that's, touchdowns. Sometimes that's how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I do encourage everybody to uh, check out the rankings that are on uh, drink5.com. I update them almost every day, uh, sometimes more than once a day. I think my record is like four or five times. I'm just like, In okay, one day. someone got injured again. It's when you wake up early on a Sunday morning, <laughs> you just keep going at it. Well, that's 100% true. It depends on how early you get up. Like if I if I end up having a coffee at 7 in the morning, there could be 8, 9, 10 rankings updates. <laughs> but I'll tell you, after some Saturdays, uh, you know, they lock the rankings for Fantasy Pros right before the first game. You can't just keep adjusting them for the late ones or anything. Right, right. So <laughs> I, a couple times I've gotten up at uh, 10, 11 o'clock Central. Uh, you know, they lock it at 11.55 or 12.00. And I'm like, all right, wherever I am, whatever I'm doing, I just got to get on the laptop. Just got to own it. <laughs> it's, that's right. But, but yeah, I, I appreciate you uh, wanting to highlight those rankings. And uh, I don't know, give me a, a thought or two on, on what you think or if you agree or disagree with all those. Um, I, I, I mostly uh, like those takes. I um, see that you like, you know – like a like a Baker Mayfield and a Drew Locke a little bit better. I guess it has to do with match-ups. their matchups. Match-ups. It's all matchups, and that's what fantasy football is a lot. We're gonna learn. I, I think after about four weeks, you you can tell a lot about upcoming matchups. Yeah. Right now, especially, it's kind of up in the air. I love looking at fantasy points against, but when I see that like the Washington football team has given up the fewest points to opposing running backs, I don't know how much I can invest in that. And that the Pittsburgh Steelers have only given up seven yards rushing. You know, that's great, but that's not going to last. It doesn't mean not, don't play any running back against the Steelers, but if that continues to happen for four weeks, it means don't play any running backs against the Steelers. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's an indicator. It's not the be-all, end-all. Very true. So just how far down do you want to go? Well, we could talk it out over a cup of joe, and you could look deep into my eyes like I was a supermodel. some fool's gold sure no problem all right this is a segment that we've uh 
gone back and forth between for years now, but fantasy fools gold mostly just being what it says. <laughs> Guys who look great, who you want to start, but you're a fool if you start them. That's right. So we're going to talk about a couple of these guys. Some of them may be waiver pickups from this week. Some of them may be people that you drafted in middle or late rounds. I'm not going to choose anyone for fool's gold that was someone that you you chose high up in the draft. Because all those draft capital guys, regardless of whether or not I or Jason like them or think that they're going to do well throughout the year, uh, obviously uh, there's a reason that they're there. Because the the ability for them to score uh, average amount or higher than average amount of points is greater than their ability to land on my list yeah i mean you can leave that to me <laughs> predicting that we should sit uh, derrick henry in week one That's stuff right. like that well you can't get them all right ever <laughs> yeah. uh so number one is benny snell jr if you didn't know he was a junior he is i don't know who his dad is actually his I be- dad is benny snell okay well jason jason is uh i'm on top of this he's the expert here can you look up who benny snell was actually because i don't know if he's in uh is he an nfl player if he's in football or whatever yeah uh, but he's a Pittsburgh running back who is the direct backup to James Conner. Interrupt me if you find out who he is. Sure. Snell performed well as a backup when called upon. Last season, he turned 108 carries into 426 yards. That's 3.9 yards per carry and two touchdowns. And that is uh, you know, over the, the season in 2019. He added three receptions for 23 yards, so obviously not used much. In the passing game, he does, in general, have only limited receiving ability. And it looks like Jalen Samuels is going to be the third down pass catching uh, back while James Conner is out. Uh, He has an ankle injury that he suffered in the second quarter of Week's 1 win against the Giants. Unfortunately for Snell, there are two things I can identify readily that are going against him to make any substantial fantasy impact over the course of this season. So first, there's no reason for me to believe, and I am a Steelers fan... Uh, so I am in touch uh, a bit, maybe more than, than some other people with the beat reporters and everything. Uh, I'm not saying that uh, it's impossible for Snell to make a fantasy impact, but right now, no reason to believe that James Conner won't immediately take back that role as soon as he's recovered from the ankle injury. That could be as early as this week, according to what we've seen from Tomlin, but Tomlin is one of those quarterbacks that doesn't always tell the truth. So it could be a couple weeks. (laughs) Now, with the three-week IR, we have to know that it's not going to be a three-week injury. They think it's a a slight ankle sprain. Right. Connor was out on the sideline warming up like he could maybe go back but didn't. I could see them even being like, all right, we'll go with Snell this week. But if Snell gets banged up, we'll bring in Connor. Yeah. So, I mean, it's likely he's out. Maybe he'll sort of be that backup, like Jason's saying, um, that's sitting on the sideline ready to go in. Um, But I think it'll more than likely be week three. And second, the ace, who's Snell? So, uh, his father did not play, but his great, he is the great nephew of Matt Snell, who was a running back for the New York Jets, who, uh, so he was drafted in 1964 by the Giants, but the AFL Jets signed him in the first big move that the Jets made prior to acquiring Joe Namath. How cool is that? So he played for the Jets. He was a three-time AFL All-Star. He was AFL Rookie of the Year. Uh, he won Super Bowl three with the Jets. He is a member of the Jets Ring of Honor. Um, so, you know, there is some football in his blood, but it's very, um, it's kind of a distant relation. So on, on Matt Snell's, it says that he is the first cousin twice removed of running back Benny Snell Jr., Benny Snell's grandfather was Matt Snell's first cousin. 
Oh, I see. So they weren't necessarily directly related. Uh, right. But it's in the family. So it's one of those cool things where you got some motivation from there. You know, maybe he kind of knew him as a child or something. Uh, maybe not. But there was always stories being told about the guy that was in the Super Bowl. He know? was a big deal. Yeah. He scored He scored four touchdowns. um so the acl tear suffered by right tackle zach banner who just won the job in training camp this year is going to impact the offensive line negatively and that's something that that i know is a is a steelers uh sort of insider um not only that but there was uh another uh uh, person that's a guard that was also uh had a pectoral uh they were feared fearing that it was a tear but it looks like thankfully that's not the case uh i digress but the ACL from Zach Banner is a major problem with the offensive line right now. And it's not that they can't fill it in. It's just that they don't have a guy they wanted to, to fill it in. So uh, right. Pittsburgh's... There's uh, always a body, but it's not the one you want. Pittsburgh's offensive line has generally been the reason why the running backs have done so well behind it. If they have a problem with the offensive line, then even Benny Snell filling in for a week or two is not going to get you the numbers that you want because there's inner turmoil with the line itself. So not only will uh, Connor come back soon, in my opinion, but also uh, whoever is running uh, you know, right now until they make some moves or, or solidify the line and, and try to appease that turmoil is going to have trouble. Fair enough. Uh, so he's fantasy fool's gold for me, you know? Grab him on the waiver wire. You already did, or you already own him. But if you start him, be aware of these things. Uh, he's not a guy who, in my opinion, and is going to be on your team in week eight on your you know team that's going heading to the playoffs. Uh, Peyton Barber, Washington running back. So Barber scored two touchdowns in week one against the Eagles. Nobody can take that away from him, right? No, they're they're in the books. He scored them. <laughs> but his fantasy points are not an indicator of past, present, or future performance as a fantasy starter. And Barber rushed for 29 yards on 17 carries. That's an average of 1.7 yards per carry. Yikes. Am I cherry-picking stats from a game where, uh, you know, it's week one, uh, it's a COVID uh, year? Yes, yes. It's a small sample size, but it's the only sample you have to go on of him on this team. Right, and he's in a timeshare with Antonio Gibson, who's a rookie from this past year, number 66 overall, who they like and want to give carries to, and J.D. McKissick. So it's not that you know they're going to take all his carries, but from game to game, based on script, etc., uh, they could definitely take some of them, which will always make him less valuable. So yeah. don't be blinded by box scores. He might have 10 or 15 carries per game. He's not going to get targeted in the passing game. And any touchdowns that he has, that he signs his name on, they're going to be mostly a product of... Does he of, do that? Is he like a T.O. where he's going to sign his name on the football? This is like playing bags, you know, out, out in the backyard. Uh, if you get an you, ace, you sign the box. If you have a really good game, you sign the box. That's yeah. right. Uh, they're going to be a product of chance uh, and not because of skill. Look at his history. In 2018, he had 234 carries. He scored five times. The team does not trust him to score. He doesn't score. He doesn't catch. He's not a good running back. Yeah, the two touchdowns was a fluke, just like as we were looking last week, or just a few minutes ago, at Chris Carson. Right. Although Chris Carson is a much better much better running back than Peyton (laughs) Barber, but they're both just situations where a guy is in a timeshare at best and just happened to be the one who got the ball on the goal line. 
Yeah, but I would have Chris Carson every day of the week over Barber because his yards per carry are higher, because the catches he gets in the game are higher, because yeah, the situations absolutely. here and are better, and because the team is better. Uh, Barber's just That's in a, a trifecta. He's in a bad situation, and he's not a great running back. So uh, some people took him off the waiver. I just uh, I would advise against playing him ever. Unless the only people that you have on your team are injured, right? <laughs> Unless you absolutely have to. This is not a guy you want on your squad because he doesn't provide any upside. Zero upside. Yeah, I agree. And if there was any, it was week one, and now it's done. Okay. Uh, Jamison Crowder, number three. So first, I love Jamison Crowder. I love the guy. Yeah, he, you mentioned him like three times already before you got to this point. I just, I've got a Jamison Crowder tattoo I'm going to get. You've got a giant Jamison Crowder <laughs> fathead here on the wall. <laughs> I think he's a terrific receiver. I think he deserves nothing but respect, right? Uh, he doesn't get doesn't get no respect. Uh, when talking about his work ethic, ability to grind out a game in tough situations, I love Crowder. So let's look at his stats from this past week. He put up 115 yards and a touchdown on seven receptions from 13 targets. So on that team, even before he was a target magnet, he was the guy that was the possession receiver and getting a ton of targets. He finished the season with over 100 targets twice in his six-year NFL career. He's still a young wide receiver. People forget this. I mean, I've heard his name over and over, but he's not an old dude. Uh, and actually, he, he almost uh, had 300 target years because he had a 99 reception year. Okay. He 99 had, targets. He's only had one season where he played less than 15 games. So, negatives. He has never gone over 1,000 yards. In fact, 847 was his career high back in 2016. That's not good. And he's on a Jets offense that can't seem to get the engine going. Le'Veon Bell going on IR, leaving them with Frank Gore to uh, to you know uh, stoke the fires, shoveling wood into the the burner on the back of the Jets train. The ageless one is going to have a thousand yards this year. <laughs> Sam, but that's a different fool's gold. Sam Darnold looks like Nathan Peterman. No, that's just uncalled for, Dave. <laughs> He looks like he has mononucleosis just constantly. Just, He's seeing ghosts. It's no longer a condition. It's just his lifestyle. Um, <laughs> if you take away the 69-yard touchdown that Crowder broke, by the way, that touchdown completely on his own merits. I saw the replay several times. He avoided four tacklers on the way to the end zone. It was all Crowder. Nothing to do with, with uh, Sam Darnold except getting him the ball in a place that he could catch it. Okay. Uh, his stat line would not be worth talking about today, and he would just be Jamison Crowder. Uh, that's fine. You know, he had like six for 46 or Who something. Who are the Jets playing this week? You know off the top of your head? I don't. Tell us about it, and I'll, I'll move on after that. But, but regardless... If I could spell the word schedule correctly, I would be quicker at bringing this up. Instead, I have to vamp. <laughs> uh, they're playing the 49ers. They're playing in the New Meadowlands. I almost said New York, but that would be incorrect. New York. Well... Well, just like the San Francisco 49ers don't play in San Francisco, the New York Jets don't play in New York. Well, these are all guys that have kind of been boosted up by this last week. And uh, you can have Jameson Crowder on your team if you want. I'm just telling you that he generally is fool's gold. I've had him for many years. I love the guy. I think he's great. The only time to really play Crowder, especially in this offense when he's the number one receiver de facto, is if they have a horrible matchup or if you are in a in a super PPR league where you give all the bonuses to people named Crowder. That would be a league where Crowder was probably drafted very high overall. <laughs> he was drafted number <laughs> he was drafted number seven. The number one pick. He was seven in that league. Uh, okay. I don't know why you wouldn't draft him first. I'm pretty sure that Christian McCaffrey was still first. <laughs> You're right. 
Um, <laughs> if there's a player that you specifically give bonuses to, you still draft Christian McCaffrey first. Number four, Alan Lazard, Green Bay wide receiver. Lazard is being added in leagues due to his week one performance. See, he put up 63 yards and one touchdown on four receptions, and he added a 19-yard rush. The rush was kind of a fun play. Not to take anything away from Lazard, but much of that success was due to this combination of circumstances. So that includes Aaron Rodgers, who had a great day, week one, just mad, four fingers of tequila deep in the coach, 32 for 364 and four touchdowns, walked away from the burning building afterwards. He didn't even look at the explosion. He enjoyed himself. Yeah, he didn't look back. Just walked away. Now, I love Aaron Rodgers. We've talked about this many times. I think you think he's at the end of his career. I think I think he has two years left. I think you think you think that. Well, I'm trying to get in there. I'm trying to get. <laughs> so, it's inception, right? Uh, but the point is, he doesn't have a lot of his career left, but I think he still and clearly is a great quarterback when he wants to be, when the stars align for him to be. Uh, the problem with no, that... No, I think I just got good value for trading him last year. I, I think that Aaron Rodgers has plenty left in the tank. Yeah, but the problem with the Packers is that he doesn't have a whole lot of receivers to throw it to. So he made use of all of them, and tons of them got a bunch of uh, of targets, receptions, yardage. Um, watching the game, Marquez Valdez-Scantling was the more productive receiver, and I watched the game again after its initial replay because the first uh, uh, when uh, on first air, I only saw it on red zone. Yeah. Um, so he had four receptions for 96 yards and a touchdown. He had more targets than uh, Lazard did. He had six. He he looked much faster because he is much faster. Uh, he looked more elusive because he is more elusive. Uh, I like Lazard, and I know that Rodgers always says how much he trusts Lazard. But ultimately, when you have Devontae Adams as your number one guy, and I believe he had like 17 targets or something. 14 for 156. 14 catches yeah. for 156 and two touchdowns. Like him and Hopkins are just... Devontae Adams is a beast. They're going to break records, uh, Adams and Hopkins, this year with the targets. Because I know Kyler Murray and Aaron Rodgers have... They're like, we have other receivers, but we don't give a shit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so whether or not you believe Scantling will win the number two job in Green Bay this year, and I do, there's just not enough to go around on that offense to provide a consistent value from Lazard, especially considering that the coach wants to continue to run the ball. So you've got a coach and a quarterback at odds with each other, one receiver that is way better than the other ones, and you have a guy like Alan Lazard who is able to put up a big game, but consistently that's impossible. Uh, He may have games with a touchdown and 50-plus yards, but it might happen twice. And so to play him on your team or to even carry him on your team at this point is just a stab in the dark. You've you've always been quite the Alan Lazard um, detractor. I didn't want to call you a hater. You're not a hater. It's just a stab in the dark. That's <laughs> what it is. Yeah. Uh, last guy, Logan Thomas, Washington tight end. Are you a fan of Logan Thomas? Um, no. <laughs> nah, nah. All right, well, uh, a big waiver wire pickup from this week. Thomas has been around for a while, actually. Yeah. Uh, back from 2014 from Arizona where he was drafted as a quarterback. Uh, in the fourth round, uh, everyone loves those guys that switch positions in the NFL, right? They always talk a lot about them. Uh, they love if they played basketball. They love if yeah, they were a quarterback. A if they were a wide receiver. Uh, he really I'm, understands the game, Al. <laughs> I mean, he was targeted this eight... This guy used to play quarterback. He was targeted eight times in this offense, and that's why he's here, and that's why he was targeted, and he did well. well again, when I went back and watched the game, he was elusive-ish, uh, he he looked good, 
But also, I don't think the defense would ever have schemed against Logan Thomas. I don't think they were looking at Logan Thomas as being a, a factor in the passing game. I don't think that the Eagles were looking at the Washington football team as being a team that could beat them. They're like, oh, we don't have to play the Redskins after all this week? All right, we're good. We talked about this last they week. They didn't bother like playing a full game. We predicted uh, Washington winning. We did. Cheers to us. Yeah, and screw the Eagles. They're just not They're not going to be good for at least a couple of weeks. Uh, at least they, they figure themselves out. Yeah, until they get healthy. So which teams in the NFL so far uh, do we have going to a therapist to kind of figure themselves out? We have the Eagles. Uh, we have the Buccaneers. I think the Vikings might need at least one <laughs> session. After just getting absolutely torched at home yeah. by Aaron Rodgers. They, you know, they, they can't be feeling good about it after that. No, but I mean, the Vikings have been torched by Rodgers a lot, and I, I'm pretty sure the Packers are going to... I know, it's like a bad recurring nightmare. I think the Packers are at that position, again, that they're going to kind of take over that division this year. I don't see anybody else better. I agree. Uh, Dalvin Cook's good, but everybody else on every other team is not very good. Well, so is, uh, what's his face? <laughs> the uh, Adam Thielen's good, too. Yeah, sure, those guys, but unfortunately, Dalvin Cook doesn't throw the ball to Adam Thielen. It's Kirk Cousins. So, the um, back to Logan Thomas, and I'll finish up here. Uh, he's 6'6 and 250 pounds. Uh, all those guys, like I was saying, that switch positions in the NFL that everyone loves to talk about, uh, it seems like there's some secret sauce or something special about those players just because they played multiple positions. And I get it. There's information that they have that other people might maybe not have. Uh, but just because he used to be a quarterback and now he's a tight end doesn't mean that he can throw the ball to himself. He just has less practice <laughs> at tight end. That's the only thing that it means uh, if, if we're being straight with each other. I'm sure that right now that's what the coach is saying. He's like, yeah, you were great at, at quarterback in college. Okay, now you had an okay game as a tight end. You're really just an okay tight end sometimes. Like, you are right. not a good football player. Right. So prove yourself. You get to stay in the NFL. Be happy. Talented pass catchers on Washington like Terry McLaurin and Steven Sims, yes, they're young, but they're way better at, pass, at catching the ball than, than Logan Thomas, the old quarterback from Arizona that was drafted in 2014. I mean, is he even the top of the depth chart he there? 100% is the, is the undoubtable number one tight end in that team. There's nobody else. Oh, come on. You're, you're really dissing my guy, Jeremy Sprinkle. There's no Jeremy Sprinkle. He tried. Jeremy Dolphin Sprinkle. Tried and failed. <laughs> So, Thomas is one case I'd actually like to be wrong about because I like Logan Thomas. I like the story, and I'd like him to be able to be a good quarterback slash tight end on the Washington football team. I just think this story... I think the best you're going to get is the slash tight end. Yeah, this story has no end but Logan Thomas selling used cars, uh, asking Josh Gordon on advice on how to sell a Subaru Forester. Hey, sometimes these guys own restaurants. Hey, look, if they're in the NFL for three years, they're making more money than I am in 20, so... I get it's it. true. It's, it's cool. True. It's cool. Good for them. But I'm saying, use car salesman. Use car sales. Okay. <laughs> Logan Thomas. All righty. Moving right along. We'll get into a few of the week two matchups. I got five matchups that caught my eye as I was looking down the schedule. So first you got the Rams going to the Eagles. We just discussed how the Eagles definitely need some professional help. Um, we're undetermined as to what profession that really is. 
that will help him. But, yeah. you know, we'll start with football and see if a professional football player can help them out. So um, the Eagles are staring right at a, a possible 0-2 start if they can't have a better showing than they had against Washington last week. Uh, it looks like they'll probably have Miles Sanders going. I believe he practiced today. Keep an eye out for him practicing tomorrow and Friday. If he does go, you start him. Ertz, Goddard, also good starts. I like all those guys, but that's where it ends on that team. I know, I think you said Rager. Was, I, I like him as well, yeah. You like Rager? But, okay. but he's just developing, so. Yeah, I mean, one for 55, it shows a lot of promise, if anything. Yeah. Um, so, over for the Rams. Which the tight ends. You got about. Malcolm Brown, who uh, falls directly into the category of, it seems like we have a developing theme for the running backs we discussed tonight. These are the guys who didn't, rack up a lot of yards but scored two touchdowns and we don't want you to rely on that and Malcolm Brown to me falls in that category um Cam Akers had 14 carries Brown had 18 carries it's a split situation at best Brown is probably favored at the goal line but um I, what, I, what I don't like here is that the Rams ran the ball 40 times and they only threw it 31 McVeigh had said during the offseason that he wants to run the ball more, but I expect that to at least approach more of a 50-50 split, if not a slight, slightly in favor of the pass. So I don't expect them to run the ball nearly as much as they did last week. I feel like all the coaches always say we want to run the ball more because it just scares the other teams. Sure. But none of them ever run the ball more. They always say something <laughs> different than what they want to do so that the teams have to prepare for that as well. Yeah, well, no, I don't think people are like, we're going to throw the ball more. We're going to throw the ball 60 times. Because the moment that, it, that a coach is like, we're going to run the ball more, and then the team doesn't prepare, the opponent doesn't prepare for that, you know, that, that opponent gets fired. Yeah. <laughs> um. So the Rams wide receivers, the Eagles didn't show a lot of pass defense against Washington. They only completed 10 passes to wide receivers. I, I'm assuming this has more to do with the Washington pass attack rather than the Philadelphia pass defense. So I think that the Rams pass attack will probably look a lot like it did during week one. You're going to see plenty of action to Robert Woods with Higby and Cup being mixed in there too. Those are going to be the three offensive players who are involved in the passing game. It doesn't seem like they're going to throw to the running back very often right now. Um, but, you know, three solid targets is three solid targets. They've lost Brandon Cooks, and it doesn't seem to bother them very much. Um, so I, I kind of like the Rams to win this one on the road. But we'll see. We're not, we don't necessarily pick winners here. Uh, you got Carolina going to Tampa Bay. So Tampa looked undisciplined. They looked like James Winston was still leading the team rather than Tom Brady because all of Tom Brady's teams, you're used to over the last decade plus, them all being very disciplined. Um, you know, you had... Uh, guys catching a punt and running into each other. You had Brady throwing a pick and a pick six. I believe he's thrown a pick six three games in a row now. Is that right? Yeah, some kind of stat that said that there's only uh, a certain number of quarterbacks that have ever done that. And, and now Brady has joined that uh, uh, that list. And you had to account a playoff <laughs> game to, to keep that streak going. However, throwing a pick six in a playoff game is a pretty big deal. Uh, so we shall look at the positive at least. Brady completed passes to nine different players. Mike Evans was pretty successful in his role as a decoy. Uh, that's an okay thing. Chris Godwin was in the slot 80% of the time. That was a good thing. And Brady connected with Scotty Miller five times for 73 yards. That's a great thing. So Godwin is being evaluated for concussion, which means that uh, if he doesn't get to play, and that just popped up on Wednesday, the concussion, by the way. If he doesn't play, Godwin that is, then Scott Miller will see a, a much larger share of targets, in my opinion. 
Yeah, sure. Uh, so I think that Scott Miller should probably be picked up everywhere. I don't know that he was one of the hot waiver pickups. I didn't see. I don't think I saw any teams actually pick him up in the six leagues that I'm in. He's probably owned in some of the dynasty leagues. If you're a deeper league, he's already owned as yeah. a as a slot guy that came kind of came across towards the very end of the but if, un-preseason preseason. If you're a Godwin owner and you don't have like a great bench depth, you need to pick him up as soon as possible in case Godwin doesn't play this week. You could always pick up uh... – Never mind. <laughs> so Carolina still has uh, Christian McCaffrey. He's going to run all over Tampa. Uh, Bridgewater had a decent showing against the Raiders. And as we talked about Robbie Anderson earlier, he had six catches for 100-plus yards and a touchdown. He was the WR5 on the week. Uh, so I don't think that Bridgewater does a lot, positive or negative. He's kind of like a guy. He's fine. He's going to be, in my opinion... Our new Andy Dalton line. It's going to be the Bridgewater line. I actually think that the Carolina offense is going to be pretty good uh, when they get things gelled. So I disagree, but I, I'm okay with him being average right now because I, I know going into the season you thought that Bridgewater maybe wouldn't be very good. So you, I think you're kind of conceding to the fact that because of the players on his team, the talent he has, that that uh, and and his ability to throw a pass and have it be caught by a player that he's at least better than <laughs> big the, deal there big he's deal a, he's at least better than the bad quarterback. Hey, if you start on your team, uh, <laughs> you know this is Bridgewater starting a season as a starter for the first time yeah. in years, and uh, if you start as average, then that's a good sign. Yeah, probably. I'm I'm into that. I think uh, so. I think what we're saying is the Andy Dalton line isn't necessarily bad. Sure. It I just mean, means it's not good. Yeah. <laughs> you got it. You are nailing the essence of the Andy Dalton. Oh, line. I got it. All so, right. and then Christian McCaffrey, he'll have a big game. I don't need to tell you that. Tampa Bay gave up. Uh, Tampa Bay gave up a top ten performance last week uh, to running backs against New Orleans. It's going to happen again this week. CMC, best, Tampa's, best player in football, man. Tampa's rushing defense is going to really take a hit these first couple weeks. Oh man. Uh, so Jacksonville at Tennessee. So the Jaguars pulled one of the oldest tricks in the book. They were good when they were supposed to be awful. Um, so now they face a tough division rival, um, and it is kind of a rivalry because they were always both the laughing stock of the division, and now this is actually a good game. I'm looking forward to seeing Jacksonville play Tennessee. I saw Jacksonville versus Tennessee in Nashville when the game was Blake Bortles versus Marcus Mariota. And that's a joke. It was awesome. They're like, oh, we have colorful uniforms, guys. Cecil Shorts was there, though. That's fantastic. (laughs) I'm happy for you. No, I'm saying I agree with you. So this game is actually going to be a good game as opposed to a game where uh, they'd be happy if their ratings were were higher than... uh, Higher than the Andy Dalton line. That's that's right. Whatever <laughs> the, the, whatever the Teddy Bridgewater line. Whatever that means. <laughs> All right. Um, so on both sides of this game, you have running backs who are going to carry the load almost exclusively for the team. I do believe that uh, these are the two teams that only that only had one running back take carries. That doesn't mean the quarterback or wide receivers didn't take carries, but only one running back on each team took carries. Um, so nobody's ever accused the Titans offense of being explosive. However, Tannehill threw the ball 43 times last week. He had more than twice the attempts of Minshew. He completed passes to eight different players. The main recipient of that, uh, surprisingly to me, and I think you, Dave, was Corey Davis. Uh, we're all scratching our head about that. Perhaps the fourth year player is finally emerging kind of like Devonte Parker did last year. 
I suspect it's more of a fluke, though. And you're going to see the passing game go through A.J. Brown, go through Johnny Smith, and Derrick Henry. Uh, so last week, the Jaguars only managed 241 yards of offense. And the thing is, they went 50% on third down. They didn't turn the ball over. They got three touchdowns. You don't need a lot of offense to get things done when you can uh, play very clean, good, disciplined football like that, which is perhaps the most surprising thing about the Jaguars. If they're supposed to be a bad team, you expect them not to convert on third down and to turn the ball over and for the quarterback to play poorly. None of those things were true. Um, if they had any notions of tanking this year, it's not going to happen. They look like a um, halfway respectable football team. So I, I like the skill players, but uh, the way I look at it is that there's a stingy Titans defense and that their offense isn't prolific by any means. So there's not enough to go around to feed all three guys, Keelan Cole, uh, LaVisca Chenault, and DJ Chark. I don't have their first names written down. I did well. <laughs> yes. And then there's James Robinson. <laughs> the James Robinson. Yes. He's, four for four. We, we haven't really talked about him at all, but but uh, of all the people from like the waiver wires and everything, I feel like he's my favorite because he's actually going to be like a uh, almost every down back for a team that could be okay. I totally concur. He is my starter on this team. Yeah. He is the one that I think you need to be starting from the Jaguars this week. Yeah. I, I mean. We talk about Hines, and we talk about all these other guys, uh, Peyton Barber, all these people that were on waiver wire lists all throughout the internet. In my opinion, the only guy that was is even worth picking up at all was James Robinson, because it looks to me like there's nobody else on that team, and, and they didn't even use Chris Thompson. They could have. They didn't. So they trust uh, him to he be had, Yeah, Chris Thompson guy. had like two points. Which is sad, because Chris Thompson is a, is a badass. He's, a He's little, been a favorite of ours he's for a quite badass. a while. Yeah. yeah. Our, our Wi-Fi password, in fact, is Chris Thompson. If he had a better name, he'd be the new Cecil Shorts. <laughs> but he has a very boring name. But, you know, don't we all? <laughs> so, Minnesota at Indianapolis this week. Two teams with playoff hopes and both lost last week. Uh, they want to fix what's broken on their team. Minnesota gave up way too much in the passing game. Three of the Green Bay wide receivers were in the top 11 after Sunday. I'm sure that... Juju probably knocked him out of there. I don't know what other wide receivers did well on Monday. You know, I, I and in but talking, if you get three of the top twelve guys for a week, that's amazing. Talking about some some weird stats, I, mean, I don't think you really talked about this, but you just uh, spend a second talking about the column that you do uh, on the site every week. Uh, what is it called, and when do you put it up? So on Mondays, I put up a column called Statistically Insignificant, where I just try to look through numbers. Um, I. I try to get some insights in there, despite the name of the column. Though, sometimes I'm just completely enchanted with <laughs> some completely useless numbers. Like, uh, a Monday night number that came in was that Steven Gostkowski, with his three missed field goals, went from fifth most accurate NFL kicker to eighth most accurate NFL <laughs> kicker. In one night. That's, the, I mean, that's just, you know, completely meaningless, but fun. Yeah. So it, it's some good uh, water cooler conversation, and occasionally I put a bit of knowledge in there as well. So that's on Monday on drink5.com. So back to the matchup at hand, I think that Philip Rivers is going to take advantage of Minneapolis's, uh, you know, sort of breakdown in the passing game, uh, passing defense last week. So he threw the ball 46 times last week. He completed at least two passes to nine different players. Rivers did. So Rivers is going to fall, I'm sorry, going to throw the ball 
till his arm falls off um, in some strange, awkward way because he doesn't know how to throw a football right. But I guess that doesn't matter. You can still, you know, be a borderline Hall of Famer by throwing the football wrong. <laughs> um, so I think that uh, what you're going to do this week is you're going to keep Jonathan Taylor in your lineup. He had six catches last week. We know that Philip Rivers loves to dump the ball off to uh, to running backs. You're going to keep Paris Campbell in the lineup. He also had six catches. T.Y. Hilton led the game in targets with nine. Uh, sorry, led the team in targets with nine. I think all three of those guys got to be in your lineup. And then you look at Minnesota. Uh, Alexander Madison has taken over the third down work from Dalvin Cook. Not that he was exclusively a, a three down back or anything like that, but Madison had 10 touches for 80 yards last week. He's a good player, and they're going to keep using him, so they're not going to wear out Delvin Cook. So Minnesota's starters, in my opinion, are easy. You've got Cook. You've got Thielen. I think that Madison stays in your bench still, and Ola B.C. Johnson is a dart throw at best. And unless you're in a two-quarterback league, you're not even considering Kirk Cousins. Hey, for all these, I think you're pretty accurate. I think you, you, you neglect to mention Hines on, uh, on the Vikings, and I don't know why that is exactly. On, on Indy. Uh, sorry, on uh, the Colts. Uh, you're right. I, Be- because, I didn't neglect to mention Well, because I, I know you like Jonathan Taylor. you got you got some stock in him, right? A little but, bit. But there's going to be touchdowns stolen by him because Rivers likes the little running backs that are pass-catching running backs, and that's not Jonathan Taylor. So you're going to have Hines, like it or not. He might not score touchdowns every week, but he's going to get uh, he's gonna get a bunch of those touches. And He's not going to have a lot of rushes, but he's going to have a ton of targets in those third downs, and he's going to have a couple of targets on goal line situations. Yeah, Hines is going to get third down carries or third down touches as well as touches in other times of the game. So you're talking about a guy um, that's kind of like an Eckler, but he's not the guy like he uh, like he was supposed to be this year, which is a whole other conversation. and even though that's not actually happening just yet <laughs> on that team either. But I think what you'll see is that uh, Hines is not going to be a guy that gets you points every week. However, it's a guy that we're going to continue to see in the uh, in the, the high score list occasionally, yeah. unpredictably. Yes. So the guy who I feel like you can rely on starting, Jonathan Taylor, a guy probably this week who you'd want to start, Naheem Hines. Yeah, so that, that's rough. We we need more time. Obviously, play. we need more. He's probably really cheap on daily fantasy. You know, when we when we used to do rankings back in the day, and when, again, we could do a whole other podcast on this. We used to do rankings back in the day and have them be completely procedurally generated by algorithms. Uh, one of the things that we used to do was uh, w- w- was try to figure out uh, points for touch and yeah. situational uh, things for those individual players. And a guy like Hines is going to be high in that points per touch. But just because he is, it doesn't mean that he's going to do well game to game. And I think we're going to see that. Right. So the last matchup we'll take a look at, uh, we'll touch on some of the players you just mentioned. We got Kansas City going to L.A. to play the Chargers. Last week, the Chiefs picked up right where they left off last year. This time, though, they have a shiny new toy. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had 25 carries, was not targeted in the passing game, which is a little disappointing Mm -hmm. because you expect that sort of thing on a team like that on an Andy Reid offense. But I do expect the Chiefs to keep running the ball a lot. Uh, I expect him to eventually get involved in the passing game. So they don't really need a lot of help there. You know, you talked about um, Damien Harris earlier. No. Did I? (laughs) You talked about Daryl. Daryl Henderson? Henderson. Okay. 
this is a long show occasionally, <laughs> and I'm gonna just uh, pretend like I didn't say that. We'll we'll edit that out. Who post. are we talking about? I don't know. We're talking about the second running back in Kansas City. Oh yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's uh, Williams. Okay. Right, it's a Darrell Williams or Darrell Williams. Okay. We okay. If anyone's there's if, a few names that are getting there, mixed up if, in my head at if the moment. There's anyone listening who knows the exact pronunciation? Please email us at daviddrink5 or jason at drink5.com or tweet us at drink5 and and let us know phonetically because we're just clearly not able to process it uh, any other way. Uh, how do you pronounce this guy's name? Is it Daryl or Darrell? Come on, help us out. <laughs> we appreciate it. So the Chiefs. At, uh, in the passing game, do still have Kelsey. They have Tyreek Hill. They've got Sammy Watkins again, uh, who is emerging as a real number two after he kind of drifted about aimlessly for a couple of years. Can I break in for a second here? Please. Okay, so you, uh, whoever maybe came into this podcast from Mixler, which is uh, where at this time we are doing the podcast from, that's the host of the show, um, Sammy Watkins was the picture. And, and the reason Sammy Watkins was the picture uh, was because I was thinking about making him Fantasy Fool's Gold because Sammy Watkins has, for years, performed very well at the beginning of the season and then kind of flaked out as he moves on towards the end of the season. Okay. Uh, and since since a long time ago, uh, when he was on the, the Bills and he had a really good season uh, and then he got traded uh, after that, I tend to agree with your, your quick assessment I actually think that Sammy Watkins will have a really good year all year, and I think that he's finally at a in a position on this team with all of the things around him where, yes, he's the number two, there's going to be a lot of targets, but I think Watkins will actually be a startable fantasy asset. I think that they're done kind of playing around so much with McCole Hardman uh, and stuff, and I think they're going to really focus on getting Sammy Watkins the ball a lot. Yeah, they, they won the Super Bowl. And now they're just going to be like, you know. Well, he was a big part of the team in the playoffs. Too. I know, but they're going to be like, you're a possession receiver, Watkins. Yes. Yeah. Instead of being like downfield, like right. It just you're a big guy, contested grabs. You're Watkins. You, you just stay on the opposite part of the field as <laughs> Travis Kelsey, and Mahomes will find you. Right. They want him to be like Brandon Marshall or something. They want him to be like grab the ball, bring it down. Yes. So uh, we'll look at the Chargers for a moment. They do not look like they did last year. Not that they looked great last year. The offense, though, is somehow worse. So last year, uh, they played against last year's basement dwellers, the Cincinnati Bengals. They only managed to score one touchdown and 16 total points. Not a good showing from the Chargers, even though it was a victory. Fine. All victories are good. But that (laughs) one was an ugly victory. So they ran Austin Eckler 19 times, more than I would expect from Austin Eckler. They only threw him the ball once. It was the only time in the game that Terod Taylor threw the ball to a running back. So, you know, what we have seen from the Chargers offense as far as, like, when they're doing well is lots of dump-offs to the running back, lots of short passes, screen passes, stuff like that. They really need to get that going. Uh, Taylor only put up 208 yards. He was 16 for 30 passing. That's not going to get it done. It's going to be Justin Herbert sooner than later Ugh. if that's what continues. I Herbert needs more time. This this team is in dire straits, and so, it's a great band. And there's Yeah, there's great <laughs> players on this team. you got Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, even Joshua Kelly could be good, although he's another one of the guys who um, 
scored a touchdown and that inflates his stats. He's a rookie. Yeah, and a rookie that like everyone's like, okay, we're going to go and grab him, and then this next week he's going to have like zero statistics. And, and we're not saying that every touchdown inflates your stats. <laughs> we're just saying that with these specific running backs, you know, the touchdowns aren't the things that you're going to be able to count on on a regular basis in order to uh, rack up those points. The only person that could have a touchdown every game is Christian McCaffrey. That's right. <laughs> that is right. And I think we may see Clyde Edwards-Hilaire uh, approach that. Oh goodness, I don't, I don't know. But all right, all right. <laughs> I mean, and, and then I so too many mouths to feed on this offense because it's mediocre. On a normal offense, they'd be the right amount of mouths to feed, but it's a mediocre offense. There's too many mouths to feed. I don't like what's going on with the Chargers right now. I think that they're going to get their asses kicked in their home opener against Kansas City. All right. Well, I, uh, I. I tend to agree with your points. I actually, I think this could be the show that we've agreed with each other the most on the things that we've talked about. So I agree with so you. That means we'll be completely. I agree incorrect. with that as well. <laughs> no, no, I think that we're. Uh, that means we've either figured it out or we're completely wrong. No, I think we're starting to find uh, find our place here. You know, um, on uh, on on the mountain, and uh, we we hope that uh, you'll continue to listen to us. Uh, those of you who have listened through the podcast to get to where we are right now. Uh, as always, we are Drink5. Find us at drink5.com. Jason and Dave, we're signing off. Cheers, everybody.